2: Perfect home sweet home. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. Hey,
0: everybody, welcome to Move the Sticks DJ and Bucky. I am in Nashville, Bucky holding down the fort there in Los Angeles. It is officially draft week, and Buck, we have so many topics. We need to get to looking at uh, the top of the draft as well as a couple other interesting topics today, my friend.
3: Yeah, it's crazy. Anytime you get into draft week, uh, I mean, the rumor mill is buzzing. You're hearing all kinds of stuff, some real, some fake. We'll see what plays out on Thursday night, but it's a nice time of year. How's everything going in in Jacksonville? How's everything going in Nashville?
0: In Tennessee, well, it feels like Jacksonville, Buck, because it is hot, a little sweaty out here. Uh, it's got to be in the eighties here today. It's it's beautiful outside. I don't looking around, do not see a cloud in the sky. Um, it is a it's a it's an unbelievable setup here with the where the stage is set up and the amount of people we're going to cram in uh, to downtown. It's going to be a sight. Uh, I think people are going to enjoy. Uh, this draft visually as well as, as some of the action that's going to take place. Uh, I do know on today's show, Buck, we want to talk about some surprises, maybe some potential surprises there in the first round, uh, some guys in the mid-rounds we really like. But I think with this draft, there's so much uncertainty at the very top of the draft, it, it makes it feel pretty unique. I remember last year at this time, is it is it Sam Donald? All of a sudden we started hearing about Baker Mayfield or Josh Allen. Um, I still believe it ends up being Kyler Murray, Buck, but
3: uh, there's at least a little bit of uncertainty here. There absolutely is some uncertainty when it comes to Callum Murray being number one overall. Pete Prisco had a story coming out talking about he didn't know if Callum Murray was going to be the number one overall. Uh, Maybe they are going to go in a different direction, that it was part of a smokescreen to maybe see if they could drive up interest in season tickets if Callum Murray was the pick. And then there's some manipulation of just trying to entice people to come up to the number one spot for trade value. I don't know. There's a lot going on. I'm trying to really unpack it all. Uh, the one thing that I do know is when the clock strikes, the Arizona Cardinals better make the right pick because everybody's job is in jeopardy, with the exception of the new coach, Cliff Kingsbury.
0: No, no question. I'm with you on that. And I just think, you know, we did confidence meter before. I was at was at 90%, then I went to 60%. i would say I'm hovering in that 80 85% uh, confidence that uh, Kyler Murray does end up being the first overall pick to the Arizona Cardinals. If it's not him, Quinnen Williams seems to be the name that uh, pops up more, even so, than Nick Bosa. So that would be one I'd keep an eye on. But I do believe it ends up being Murray. And then we get to the San Francisco 49ers at number two. Or I know they like Quinn and Williams, but I get the sense that this has been Nick Bosa from the beginning of the process, and I think once we get to the end of the process, that's exactly where they end up.
3: Yeah, I can see that because they definitely have a a need at that position. Also, one thing that you can't underscore – Robert Sala is very, very tight with Gus Bradley, who was in Sandy, well, with the L.A. Chargers. He has seen the work that Joey Bosa has yep. been able to do. You know they've had some conversations, and maybe those conversations have led them to think about uh, Nick Bosa's usage, how to best utilize him in the framework of that defense. I just think it makes too uh, too much common sense for it not to happen. Nick Bosa, San Francisco 49ers seems like a match made in heaven.
0: And then we get to number three, and this to me is, is kind of that first pivot point, as I like to refer to it, in this year's draft class, because the Jets, uh, there's a lot out there about what they could do. You hear, you know, we talked about it last week about Ed Oliver potentially making sense there with them. Quinnen Williams would be the best player on the board at that point in time, but, you know, is that a duplication of what you have in Leonard Williams? I don't think so. I think that would be the, the smart pick there. But you hear the stuff about Ed Oliver, and then Josh Allen, You know, we compared him in the process to Anthony Barr. Now, the Jets didn't end up getting the deal done with Anthony Barr, but man, Buck, they offered him a boatload of money and thought he would fit what they wanted to do defensively, which stands to reason Josh Allen would fit with them and what they want to do defensively. And then you also have the added uh, mention there of a team that wants to get out, that needs other needs they need to fill in this draft. They'd like to get some extra picks. Um, So there's a lot of options. And that, to me, at number three is where the draft really gets fun.
3: Yeah, that's the sweet spot of the draft because the New York Jets have uh, needs. They have a willingness to want to get out of the spot. And so teams that can identify their special player in that range should make a move to get up there because it's available. It's on the option block. And so what's funny about this with the New York Jets, they were so close to being able to get Anthony Barr done, couldn't get it done. And a guy like Josh Allen could be sitting there for him. Uh, I think it makes too much sense for them to pull the trigger on Josh Allen.
0: They're one of the teams, too, you hear kind of behind the scenes, their name brought up in the uh, potential trade of Frank Clark. You hear about, you know, everything's talked about Kansas City. There's a talk that maybe Indianapolis be interested in Frank Clark. Now, the Jets are not going to give up the third pick in the draft for Frank Clark. But in a situation, if they were to trade back once, maybe even multiple times, get a boatload of picks, then you could part with one of those ones for Frank Clark. That would be something I don't think that's likely to happen, Buck, but you always have to have your radar and antenna uh, oh, up for the potential that something crazy like that could happen.
3: Absolutely, and I think for the Jets, what you're trying to do is you're trying to secure the bag when it comes to the number of draft picks that you can have in this year's class. We've talked about the second and third round being loaded with the number of good players in that range. The Jets aren't necessarily players in those rounds. And so, yes, you want to get a top pick, you want to get an elite guy, but if you don't feel like there's an elite guy in this draft or if there's someone that you're more comfortable with in the the second tier – Take those guys, get some more picks, make sure you populate your roster with good players. Maybe not great ones, but good
2: ones.
0: And No doubt. And then you get to number four and the Oakland Raiders. You know, I, My theory has been okay. It's either whoever falls between Ed Oliver and Quinn and Williams. Uh, I think that would happen over Josh Allen. You have to still do your homework on Josh Allen. That's a possibility. Just get the sense that one of those interior players, would be ahead of Josh Allen coming off the edge. And then there's still Dwayne Haskins uh, out there, you know, as a possibility. Are they committed to Derek Carr, or is there a chance we see a second quarterback go in the top five? I wouldn't completely rule that one out right now.
3: No, I wouldn't rule it out. And I wouldn't rule it out because John Gruden has a thing for collecting quarterbacks. And Dwayne Haskins is an outstanding quarterback prospect to me. And when you go back and watch the tape, you see him do some next-level things. Uh, touch timing, anticipation, the way he's able to get the ball to his receivers in open windows. Um, he wins when pushing the ball down the field. Checks off a lot of boxes when it comes to it. So um, I think this is an interesting spot. It'll be interesting to see how Mayock handles all of the responsibility that comes along with it.
0: Hey, no doubt. We'll keep an eye on uh, our old friend Mike, see what he does there with those three first-round picks. For the Raiders, number five, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Everything I hear uh, tends to point in the direction of Devin White, the linebacker from LSU. You lose Quan Alexander, ironically, coming from LSU. You go back and you get the newer version in Devin White, somebody they can plug in in the middle of that defense, not only as a player, Buck, it sounds to me, uh, they covet his leadership and what he brings not only on the field but off the field.
3: Yeah, I think that's a big part of it because they need him to galvanize this group. They need someone that can kind of show them the winning way. And so, offensively, I think they have some weapons. Defensively, they have some more younger guys. They have some veterans coming over. But you need guys that are going to be uh, here for the duration. And so, I think he has an opportunity to be with the Buccaneers for a long, long time.
0: Yeah, that's how we uh, we see the top five potentially shaping up there. We'll see maybe there's a trade. Hear rumors about Atlanta potentially uh, trying to move up in this year's draft. I wouldn't sleep on Buffalo as another team. But if it stays as is, that's how we see the top five picks. If you've ever stopped at a railway crossing and the signals are flashing and you don't see the train or it looks like it's moving slow and you're thinking maybe you could get across
3: the tracks before the train comes. Think about this. In 2018 alone, 270 people were killed at railroad crossings. 270.
0: Stop. Trains can't. All right, it's time for Make the Call, presented by Verizon. And looking at potential surprises in the first round, Buck. Every year, you know, there's that group of guys, 15, 18 players that everybody knows are going in the first round, but we always have a surprise or two. And I think it'd be fun to uh, to kick around a couple names we see potentially sneaking into round one. You ready to go? Yeah, let's do it. You start. All right, here we go. I'm going to go Darnell Savage, safety from Maryland. Um, this is somebody that look. He ran 4-3, played well during the fall, had a nice Senior Bowl week. He's been very consistent throughout the process. And just hear his name coming up over and over again late in the process. And when you look at the safety position, Taylor Rapp, who one of the best safeties in this draft class across the board, everybody felt that way. But he didn't run fast. You look at Jonathan Abram, could not compete at the Senior Bowl because of a shoulder. Um, So he lost a little bit of momentum during that time. Nasir Adderley from Delaware. Uh, he was an outstanding player, but has a little bit of a hamstring. Ended up running in the four sixes. So if you want to go, who's gained that momentum late in the process? Darnell Savage from Maryland. It would not shock me if he snuck into the bottom of round one.
3: Terrific player. I have defensive back coaches all around the league text me about him. They believe he's their sleeper. I was like, yeah, if everyone's texting me the same name, he's not necessarily a sleeper. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go to Mississippi State, and I'm going to go with Elton Jenkins, the center. And what I like about him is his ability to own the line of scrimmage. Big, physical, athletic enough to play center or guard. Does a great job of moving bodies. And more importantly, he's a terrific finisher. I want to see guys finish with the, the – the dummy on the ground, and that is what he does consistently. He is one of the best at finishing, and because of that, I can see a team falling in love with him and putting him in at the pivot spot so he can run a hill, downhill, running game in between the A-gaps.
0: I'm with you on that there's a there's some buzz on him I don't have him with the first round grade but it wouldn't shock me if he got into round number one I'm gonna go quarterback and uh, our buddy Jay Glazer had tweeted out the other day don't be surprised if we have five quarterbacks go in the first round so who is that fifth quarterback we know about the big four we've been talking about them throughout the process you're talking about Murray Haskins uh, Locke, and Jones but if there is a fifth I think NC State's Ryan Finley has a chance to be that guy, and the team would be the New England Patriots, trying to find that, uh, that next man up, next man in line mm-hmm. behind Tom Brady. And, look, they, they hit Jimmy Garoppolo, ended up being a really good player for them, and they were able to, to spin him off and get something for him. But I think in hindsight, if you take him in the first round, you buy yourself an extra year with that fifth year, it would allow them a little more time to make that decision. And I think if you like Finley in the second round, it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world if the Patriots ended up taking him with the 32nd pick.
3: No, it wouldn't be crazy at all. I mean, because this is the kind of guy that kind of strikes me as a Patriot. Smart, uh, instinctive, solid arm, gets the ball out, understands all of what's going on on the field. And that is critical in all 22 games that you know exactly where everyone is going to be. I think Ryan Finley could be perfect in that situation. I'm going to go with another guy who could be perfect in any situation, and that's Lonnie Johnson Jr cornerback from Kentucky, long rangy athlete, a playmaker on the perimeter. Does a great job putting his hands on wide receivers, not allowing them to really get comfortably into their routes. And more importantly, he does a great job of finishing at the end of routes. Uh, His ability to get his hands on balls leads to incompletions and eventually interceptions. If he continues to show this kind of talent, he's going to have a chance to be special at the next level. Yeah, I think he's
0: got an opportunity to, to go there in the 20s, Buck. You look at some of those teams need corners, and they covet his, his size, length, and athleticism and believe his best football is ahead of him. That was Make the Call presented by Verizon.
3: There's a saying most athletes abide by, play like you're in first, train like you're in second. In the new podcast from Wondery, Sports Wars, you'll hear what happens when some of the most elite athletes in the world take the phrase to heart and battle their biggest rivals for a chance to go down in history as one of the greats. Here are some of the matchups. Veteran Brett Favre being challenged for his spot by Ricky Aaron Rodgers. Isaiah Thomas's beef with Michael Jordan after missing out on the Dream Team. Rafael Nadal and Roger Federer's battle for the greatest tennis player of all time. Sounds pretty awesome.
0: Subscribe to Sports Wars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you're listening now. All right, Buck, let's talk some mid-round prospects. Uh, guys you like, uh, if, you're, if you're drafting players, guys you just want on your football team, outside that first-round area, uh, I'll give you the floor here. Why don't you give me a couple names, and I'll rip off a couple myself. All right, so
3: the first guy I'm going to bring up is a guy that we saw at the East-West Shrine game, then he went to the Senior Bowl. How about Jimmy Moreland, Jimmy Moreland from James Madison? And what I like about Jimmy is Jimmy is a ball hawk. 18 career interceptions, six pick sixes. Think about that. Six times he picked off a pass and put it in the paint. Uh, The CAA Defensive Player of the Year, we saw him lock people down at the East-West Shrine game, came up later in the week and performed well at the senior bowl. I think this is just a rock-solid player. Day three is where these kind of players typically hear their name call. Yeah, he reminds me a little bit of Casey,
0: who we saw have a big year last year. Uh, for the Atlanta Falcons I'll stay in the secondary and I'll go Ugo Amadi from Oregon somebody that's listed as a safety. I think he's going to be a day one nickel. Reminds me a little bit of LaMarcus Joyner coming out of Florida State. He's, he's not the biggest guy in the world, but very quick, very sudden, and very instinctive. Uh, so he's going to get his hands on some footballs playing underneath. You can use him as a blitzer. He's plenty tough. I like him in that, in that mid-round range as well. And with the depth of safety we have in this year's class, Buck, this guy, you might be getting him in the
3: fifth round, which I think would be a tremendous steal. It would be a tremendous steal. And I'm going to go because I think there are a lot of steals to be had in the running back class. And I'm going with a guy that may end up being a seventh-round or a priority free agent. But Benny Snell, the running back from Kentucky, to me, strikes me as a guy that's going to make his way into the league because he's tough, he's rugged, does a great job of holding on to the ball, and then he finds a way to consistently get into the paint. Look, it's an unconventional path um, to to, to make it – the way that he is being able to make it from Kentucky, where Kentucky isn't really known for producing running backs. But to me, he's one of the best running backs that I've seen in terms of just being a physical workhorse that can handle a high volume of carries. Yeah, you want to run the ball
0: between the tackles. Benny Snell can, can give you that with the, the vision and the power inside. Um, I think you know he's got a chance to probably go in that six-round range is where I would put it. Um, just because we have so many running backs and – um, didn't test as well, but, again, I'm with you. The production is there. The toughness is there. I'm going to give you two running backs, a little two-for-one special. I'm going to go uh, Reichwell Armstead from nice. Temple, who's got some straight-line speed. He's that short stepper, Buck. kind of reminded me of Jamal Lewis a little bit in that regard. Just doesn't have quite that top-end juice that Jamal had, but is a rugged runner, real tough and physical. And then I'm going to go with the homer pick. i got to go alma mater and go Jalen Moore from App State, <laughs> who's a little bit out of sight, out of mind. Coming off the injury. But, look, MJD, our guy MJD is a fan, so I feel like I'm not just being a homer here. This kid can play. Uh, He can do some things out of the backfield, catching the ball as well. I think he's got a chance to be a tremendous value pick.
3: Tremendous, tremendous, tremendous value pick. Um, Did a really good job identifying some offensive playmakers and sleepers. I'm going to go to one, and I'm going to go to one that you brought up when we were down at the East-West game. Um, How about Ole Udo from Elon? Big prospect, big versatile player, good athleticism. Look, whenever you talk about taking a flyer on a small school guy, day three is typically where those flyers take place. I think he's someone who's athletic enough to be able to play. He has the length that you want to see. Uh, Could see a little more nasty. But overall, I think he's a very, very solid and intriguing developmental prospect.
0: All right, Buck. That's, uh, that's some good mid round guys. We could go through a laundry list of them. Uh, guys are looking forward to watching. Uh, let's play a little. Let's play a little game now, real quick. It's going to just be a question and answer game. All right. I'm going to give you. We'll do a number game. So I'm going to give you the number of players, and, and you tell me whether we're going to go a little bit higher or lower. So when it's all said and done, do we have? Uh, I'll put the number quarterbacks at four. Do you think we end up getting that uh, that fifth
3: quarterback in the first round? Who. <sighs> Man, number of quarterbacks in the first round. That's, that's tough. Um, I'm going to go with four. I don't think I, – I saw you thing when you talked about Ryan. I, I'm i going to say four. I think the usual suspects all come off in yep. the, the first round. Murray, Haskins, Jones, then Locke.
0: All right, then we get to the wide receiver position first round. Um, man, I, when you roll through these teams, Buck, I, I would say, do we get two? I mean, is there is there just going to be one? or is there, Are we more likely to have zero wide receivers in the first round or more likely to have two wide receivers or more in the first round? Oh, I think
3: two wide receivers <laughs> in the first round. Not more than that. Like, it's going to be a stretch to get there. Uh, it's just tough. It's a year where you have so many guys that are in that cluster buster clump right at the bottom of the first, top of the second. I think we see most of the receivers go in the second round.
0: Yeah, I, I'm beginning to think it's is a chance we only see one. I, I really do. I think there's a chance that a bunch of these guys can end up sliding out because just the sheer number of guys you can get uh, rounds two and rounds three. Um, you know, we'll see how it all shakes out. But when you look at some of the other needs that teams have, they figure we can fill this need now. We can always come back and get those uh, wide receivers. Now, last one. I'll hit you up on the number game here, Buck, and then we'll uh, we'll get this show moving. Uh, offensive lineman. When you look at the offensive tackles. And let's go with uh, Dillard. Let's go. Um, let's go to Taylor. Let's go Ford. Let's go Jonah Williams. Those four guys are they all four gone by pick twenty? Or is there any chance the Houston Texans see any of these guys where they're picking in the twenties? I think all those
3: guys are going by twenty. Um, I think the offensive yep. line class, they're going to be the fallbacks whenever you have some indecision when it comes to taking another player. I think teams just believe I can't go wrong if I take a solid offensive line prospect. I believe that's what they're going to go to.
0: All right, last thing, and, uh, and we'll get out of here, Buck. When we, when we look at the papers, which I don't even know if that's a thing anymore. Maybe I should say website. When we look at the websites, Uh, NFL.com. Let's go there. Let's keep it friendly. We go to NFL.com Sunday morning. Um, The biggest headline, the biggest takeaway from this weekend's draft is what?
3: Ooh. That's tough. Um, The biggest takeaway is going to be the Giants are all in on Eli Manning, meaning they don't draft a quarterback. They only draft complimentary players that can elevate his game, be it – guys that can catch the ball, guys that can make plays uh, protecting him, or as pass rushers, guys that can get him the ball back. But this is an Eli Manning draft, meaning they're not going to take a quarterback. Everything is going to be focused on elevating the
0: 38-year-old. That's interesting. I think there's a chance that that could be right. Um, We'll see if they can – find the pieces and fill some other holes they have on this roster. Dave Gettleman's comments the other day talking about the fact he's been to seven Super Bowls, he knows the formula, knows what it looks like and tastes like and smells like, uh, and that is about building around the line of scrimmage. So maybe that's a direction the Giants go and stick with Eli Manning for another year. I think the headline's going to be the Raiders, man. I really do. And whether or not that's them you know, staying at four, say they get a Quentin Williams at four, and then you come back in the 20s, They also have a high second-round pick. They could end up with four first-round picks, it would not surprise me, and four building blocks. This is a draft for Mike Mayock in his first draft. John Mm -hmm. Gruden and this organization, a team that's going to be moving to Las Vegas. They 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 don't have to hit home runs with all these, like we said. But these guys need to be part of a championship foundation. They have all this draft capital from all these trades. Now they've got to hit on them. You don't have to hit home runs, but you, got to, you can't miss. They've got to be at least solid doubles that can be starters for this football team as they move to Las Vegas and free them up in the, in the following years to be able to address different holes. You get in trouble as an organization when you're having to continually double down at a position because you've missed. You look at the 49ers and where they are, having to double up, double up on a position they've tried to already address. That's the challenge for the Raiders, and I think there'll be a lot of buzz on this team coming out of the draft.
3: Oh, for sure. There's going to be a lot of buzz on this team. There's a lot of buzz anytime you put on the silver and black, anytime you have a very, very attractive head coach in John Gruden, anyone who is as boisterous and flamboyant as him is going to attract a lot of interest. Then you have the TV angle. Uh, so many guys in the Twitterverse are kind of aspiring to be Mike Mayock, guys who weren't necessarily uh, upper or top level players, but they've been able to kind of find their way and get to the point where they're able to call the shots on building the team. A lot of intrigue around the Oakland Raiders because people want to see how is this experiment going to turn out.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be fascinating to see how things unfold here in Nashville. I cannot wait for it to get kicked off here Thursday night. You can follow it on NFL Network. We've got you covered all three days. Um, covering all the action here and what should be a fascinating draft. It's unpredictable, if nothing else. Also, we have our 360 series. If you haven't checked that out, do yourself a favor and find it. We've got Dwayne uh, Haskins. We've got Nick Bosa. We've got the Clemson defensive line, Daniel Jones. And, Buck, I feel like the best one we've done is coming up this week, and that is the Kyler Murray 360 episode where, Buck, I feel like we've talked to everybody that knows the guy.
3: I mean, we have talked to everybody that possibly knows them. Some interesting takes and insight from a bunch of different people.
0: No doubt. So be on the lookout for those 360s. We do appreciate you uh, listening to the show. Appreciate you watching all of our video content. Again, you can find that at NFL.com slash MTS video. YouTube.com slash NFL. The podcast, Apple Podcast, your favorite podcast app. Uh, You can listen to the Move the Sticks podcast. And just as we go through the draft, uh, we will be recapping everything. So all the stuff we've talked about we think can happen. Buck, we're going to get an opportunity to finally look back and discuss what did happen.
3: Yeah, we're finally going to be able to put the babies to bed and kind of see where all of our little prospect babies are going to end up, what cribs are they going to be wearing, what colors are they going to be rocking, and then we can begin to speculate how they're going to play in their new systems. No doubt. Well, that's going to do it for us today.
2: Thanks
0: again to Kent for putting this whole thing together. Uh, making it all happen as we run up to the draft. A lot of long hours put in by Kent, and we do appreciate that. Uh, that's going to do it for us, and we'll see you next time right here on Move the Sticks.
2: Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to NFL.com podcasts.